This episode of POMCAST is sponsored by Woolen Flower, a small craft-based company based in Glasgow, Scotland. Woolen Flower evolved out of various craft interests in Australia and brings together wool, plants and pattern, as well as reclaimed tweed pouches and colourwork knits. Their focus is on naturally dyed yarns in small batch, one-off colourways, inspired by and sourced from the natural landscape of Scotland. Woolen Flower incorporates a variety of different bases, from woolly, bouncy native Shetland, perfect for colourwork and cosy garments, and luxury fine gauge blends that held together work beautifully to form complex textures and subtle colours. Woolen Flower can be found at woolenflower.com and at yarn festivals around the UK and Europe. And welcome to POMCAST, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. I'm Nadia Gluck and I'm here with not just Sophie Scott. Hey, also we have Juju Vale. Hi! Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you heard Juju on, well you've heard her on many podcasts, but on the previous one which was um, recorded at POMCAST Live. You've also been a guest host with me at points. Oh yeah. Uh, you remember that? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Podcast memories, and you were our first interviewee. I was. I rambled on for like three hours, I think. That was great. It was really good fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, but now we have you here as uh, co-host, I guess. Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, well, we like having you here anyway, just because it's great, but also because uh, you guest edited Pom Pom Issue 22. I did. It was so fun. It was so fun, and it looks pretty great. Yeah. I was just saying, we were looking at it again, and I was yeah. like, this is very nice. <laughs> Was reassuring. <laughs> so, the theme of this issue, uh, this podcast, sorry, is Juju and issue twenty two, I guess, which rhymes. So that's good. Yay! Juju, Juju, twenty two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, the two two. I just thought with the Juju, <gasps> like, like two. Oh yeah, because you made my you get you gave me the the Ju logo squared. idea of Ju squared. Yeah, <laughs> J U squared. Because my name is spelled J U J U. Yeah, <laughs> just for clarity there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the many so many layers. So yeah, that's right. Well, wonderful. Um, we should ca- probably catch up with a little bit of news. Now that's the introduction. Mm-hmm. News. Pomfest happened. Yes. You probably caught up with the Pomfest recording we did, Pomcast Live. Uh, I think it goes without saying. We say thanks again for all the people who came. All the people who came and did helping. Some of some people did both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and everybody who's involved, um, kind of behind the scenes beforehand, and our lovely sponsors, and of course. Podcast live, folks. So much fun. I endure. I really had a great time. <laughs> you might have noticed. There's so much you in the background. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going, woo! I, 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 uh, I had a little bit to drink, I think. <laughs> but uh, I really enjoyed that. I want to do that every month. I think we should yeah. do a touring, uh, pom, you know, knitting themed pub quiz every, every month hey. would be... Just, we're right waiting for the for bookings me. to roll in. Yeah, and, uh, come on now, babies. Yeah. You yeah, know you need those us. Those of you who run, uh, <laughs> I don't know what, like community centres all yeah. over the world. <laughs> in North America, it would be uh, like legion centres. Do you know what those are? Yeah. You know, They're always like there's no windows in them because you know, nobody's allowed to see the legions. <laughs> and they, they still smell of smoke, you know, after all these years. <laughs> so that's what we're looking for, guys. That's okay, what we're okay. aiming for. We're branching out into another project now. Um, but yeah, it was really, really fun. But you guys, I'm... you'd give up the magazine, wouldn't you, to do that? I mean, <laughs> you would, wouldn't whoa, you? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this is a discussion not for recording. Okay. Like. But yeah, people who um, couldn't make it to Pondcast Live but would like to see such a thing, where do you live? Australia? Great! How many of you are there? Can we come? <laughs> great. Would yeah, you? okay, I'm actually thinking about it. could be like my dad wrote a porno. Let's just go thinking, yeah. Yeah. Well, That's what I'm saying. I think, you know, there needs to be more knitting-themed entertainment. Like, right. you know, that's and that's what we uh, did, essentially. Yeah. We made fun of people who didn't knit. That was amusing. <laughs> that was very amusing. I still keep laughing about my dad just saying, pardon? That was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After the first question, that was good. And your sister gave some excellent answers. Oh, she's good. She's good comedy she's value. Good. I mean, I'm biased, but she's good. Kate Scott. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> oh, we should say, if you missed out, not only can you listen, you can buy like loads of fun merchandise now oh, in the pom-pom so shop. Much fun uh, really cool enamel badges and tote bags and pouches. And, and the show guide. And the show guide. Oh, cool boy. games on the back of it, as well as a very cool guide to uh, craft and knitting related things in northeast London by Animots. which I need, have yet to go to all those places. Well, they, that's mentioned. why you need the guide. That's why you need the guide. All the information. Uh, so that's pompommag.com forward slash shop. 
where you can also buy the magazine. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> so Juju, mm. issue 22, mm. that's in the shops. Yes. Really full of a lot of pattern and texture, isn't it? Yeah, that's so. right. That's true. That was what I was going for is I love pattern and I love color. But I mean, I think probably almost every issue of Pom Pom celebrates lots of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, issue 16. Yeah, that's Sorry, right. But, uh, that's why I said almost, almost every almost. Otherwise, I would have said every issue. I just have to issue. prove the, uh, yeah, the exceptional the competition there. Uh, I, I, uh, and I, you know, I, I love pattern on pattern. So I love the idea that you have a, you know, pattern jumper, but you're also wearing other patterned things and they're all clashing vigorously together. Me so too. even in the solid sweater, which is called... Ellie Belinda. Ellie Belinda. Uh, I wanted to sort of... You know, it has got a textural a texture, and um, it, it doesn't show up so well in the pictures. But the um, skirts each have like a little texture to them, and of course, patterned tights. Ooh. I love patterned tights. And mm-hmm. if I was wearing it, probably I would. You know, or many of us would mm. wear like a patterned, like colorful scarf and things with it too. It's just that obviously we don't want to layer too many knits in a photograph in the magazine because then you don't know what the pattern's for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, in reality, you know, you go to any any knitting place and you see knits with knits don't you it's true that's one thing i like about knitting slash crafty people in general is the amount of playful color mm. and pattern mm. and so on mm. sometimes fashiony things can get a bit like a bit too minimal for my well yeah the whole that taste. whole decade of well it was more than a decade but you know the does what is it called artistic directors just wearing black and stylists wearing black and everything and you know because they want to like be a clean palette for what they're dressing (laughs) (laughs) crafty people aren't like that so much are they no no i'm wearing black but i was grumpy this morning that's why i put on you have a little check on your trousers (laughs) oh yeah and i I rocked i'm wearing a red necklace yeah yeah break it up a little bit yeah yeah. I'm I'm in shades of burgundy today for some reason. I love that. Strong look. Yeah, we all love burgundy, don't we? We yeah. do. Burgundy's one of my favourite colours too. I kept the palette for this issue very kind of brick and burnt orange and I love browns and I know that some people don't love browns. Mm. And I'm trying to convert you all. I think the knitting world has been on a like a grey wave mm. for at least ten years. It's the Grello thing, that's pretty strong still. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think, you know, People so don't knit with, yeah. <laughs> well, people don't knit with black much, do they? No, because no, it's a, it's difficult and it's it's boring and right, it's solid. Yeah. So the kind of next best thing, the closest neutral, is is grey, right? Mm. And grey does come in fabulous, especially the hand dyed yarns. Mm. It comes in fabulous variety of hand dyed mm. yarns, and that is exciting because you know you get all that um, chromatic neutrals, you know, different colors of grey. Yeah. Um, but you can do the same. I, I see brown as in the same camp as grey. It's a neutral, but I call it like a warm neutral as opposed mm. to a cool neutral. Because to make the neutral of grey, you know, you, you're you're going towards a blue bias. Whereas if you're mixing with paint or dye, the neutral of brown, you're using more of an orangey red bias. And although, you know, I love greys too, but uh, I just think they're too prevalent. And I think it's exciting to kind of have another neutral to play with although I understand that for a lot of people you know it makes sense to kind of have a neutral and stick with it as the backbone Mm. of your wardrobe um mine would tend mine would be brown or camel or uh, um biscuit not not gray Mm. yeah I like to have a camel at the back of my wardrobe yeah (laughs) and a biscuit Maybe I a think camel we'll need a biscuit, a biscuit in our wardrobe. <laughs> Won't last long, but... <laughs> I think you might have converted me because I was not a brown... Well, it's not like I... I believe in all the colours. Yeah, so do I. So I didn't, like, hate brown, but it's not something... Actually, you know what, though? I remember when um, the Uncommon Thread started coming into Loop when we first started mm. working there. She had a few... Beautiful. Browns, like, like toast or, like, grainy browns. Did she yes, have a praline, praline, yeah, praline colour? That was a kind of golden Really brown. beautiful. Yeah, and toast... That's right. So she has some beautiful, beautiful browns. But think about how browns look as well with colors like like all the purples. You know, I think mm. that's a really gorgeous, rich look, that purple and brown and even purple yeah. browns and, na- and deep navies and indigos. And of course, browns with reds and oranges. And then I think it can be playful with peaches. So I think... Playful with peaches? <laughs> You know, when you're supposed to eat the biscuit in its wardrobe, it can play with some peaches. This reminds me, you know, there's that Adam and Joe where they have the birthday parties and there's somebody whose parents threw them a brown party where all the food was brown and healthy. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Like, like, really, they hated their children. So, like, they were, like, really 70s throwback. Uh, yeah. Kind of, well, that, I think that's one of the reasons why brown is not in fashion. Is still mm. a reaction to the prevalence the of brown right, yeah. and, and er, orange, burnt yeah. orange, as a palette for the 70s. But we're seeing so much revived from the mm. 70s. Rattan, all the kind of indoor plants, macrame, that whole thing. And I think with that is mm. coming up, you know, is coming to brown. So I'm just saying, you know... Give brown another look, perhaps. Like, I think all of us in this mm. room, actually, brown is a better neutral color for us. Lydia has gorgeous chocolate-colored eyes. And, and Sophie also has brown eyes and, and has lovely kind of chestnutty hair. So I think all of us probably would suit brown as a neutral mm. more than gray as a neutral. I mean, this is why we asked you to be guest editor. Not only because of your endless flattery of us, but... Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I do do that a lot. Many deep and varied hues of colors... And, uh, knowledge. I just yesterday. I don't know if this is relevant, but I saw the Helle uh, Jorgens uh, exhibition at the Design Museum, all about color. Oh yeah, I really want to see that. <gasps> it's fantastic. Yeah. really interesting. Oh, I should go. Yeah, I really recommend. I think it's on for another month. Mm. And um, she has constructed the exhibition around um, morning, noon, and night. And, and the associated colors with those time oh, of day. Nice. She's an industrial designer, but she's interested in, and this was very interesting, that in industrial design, there's just one black, carbon black. Mm. That's the most economical and stable black to produce, right? Mm. Whereas if you're a painter, you don't usually use a black from a tube. You use it, you mix a black, right? You mix your deepest red and your deepest green together and you get all these rich blacks. And there's, you know, a whole spectrum, like like I was saying about chromatic grays, you can have the mm. same thing, you can have chromatic blacks. And she's saying, you know, the whole palette of all the, everything around us would change so dramatically if we had those kind of chromatic blacks instead of just carbon black mm. as our industrial product. And she's interested in the whole idea of um, less stable colors and allowing them to change with the age of the product and the time of day. And I just thought, and it, and the whole exhibition is about looking at color in these different times of day and different lighting conditions. And it's really fascinating. And it got me thinking a lot about how it applies to knitwear, actually, mm. and textiles. Yeah, because I remember some of the most interesting colors that I've seen in both hand-dyed and just like even kind of dyed in the fleece or wool beforehand or you know are the ones that are almost black mm -hmm. like, yeah, like really dark greens like really really like with the new john arbor just the thinking yeah there's yeah there's a what i thought was a black and i thought oh that's a bit odd and you look at it and it's a it's blackberry and the halo yeah. of it is red yeah and it's, it's almost purpley but like such deep red tones as well it's it's incredible it's, it's yeah, so gorgeous I, I agree with you i think that's really exciting like getting like um you know, a black that has that is heathered or has mm. flecks in it of other colors, which you can do in yarn. Mm. It's super exciting, and of course, all the hand dyed yarns. Not not very many um, dyers really do a range of blacks, mm. do they? And I think that could be something that they could explore a bit more. I think Uncommon Thread does a beautiful black. Doesn't she, she does like a, a, a again a kind of blackberryish black. Yeah, she definitely. She and oh, I'm not going to remember the name. There's a few people who do like really amazing really deep purple almost blacks mm, mm. i guess and the, and the, in, in, you know from a photographer's point of view of course mm. uh, and as a magazine mm. you know we could commission a design in those yarns and it would look gorgeous in real life but it's actually super difficult to then photograph mm. it and and also from the dyer's point of view if they're selling online yeah. it's really hard to get those colors across on a computer screen you need to see them and i think ideally see them in, in a in a range of lighting conditions which is where they come into you know play yeah, maybe that's why yeah we don't have so much black in design yeah i use um i i did choose the the cover design oh yeah issue 22 yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> what's it <laughs> um diocese diocese um it has black yeah it has well it has again it's a john it is john arbin's black yes um and the so-called white with it is not white at all. What was the name of that? I think color? it's called Unpredictable. Unpredictable. And that it's was one of the ones that Viola. Yeah, mm, Viola. That's a blended color. It's a beautiful color. Mm. But I do really like to have kind of a, a graphic, highly graphic kind of print or textured. You know, in mm. this case, it's obviously not a print, but it looks like a kind of it's geometric. Yeah. Uh, and I like to play that off other areas of solid color. Mm. So that was, uh, you know, that was a perfect when I saw that design, it was there was no question that was going yeah, in the magazine. Yeah. That was one of the most exciting designs to get. So maybe we should talk a little bit more about some of the other designs as well, because um, 
obviously they're all your favourites having commissioned them they are. within yes. your guest editor uh, position. Yeah. Um, so what have you got plans for? We're on needles. Well, a palmetto is on my needles at the moment. I'm almost finished the first sleeve and then I'll have the second sleeve and the button band, which includes the mm. steaking to do. Uh, and it's really fun to knit. Uh, I've knit it in the beautiful dandelion yarns, which I just love working with. Mm. You, you guys are knitting it too, Yeah, right? so we, basically the whole of the palm staff got dandelion yarn at Palmfest. So, Yeah, I haven't started mine yet, but... Megan's is oh, well boy. underway. Yeah, yeah. Megan's like making a tasty progress. grapefruit. Yeah. I feel like mine is very subdued colour-wise compared to everyone else's. But that's great. So you're going isn't for it? like a grey. Mine's like the main colour is oh god, it's grey. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> but it's grey with colours. It's grey with colours. So the the stripy shoulder pad things, um, and button bands are like kind of golden yellow and wine colour. Mm. So I mean, I think it'll be great when we've all done it and we can all put them yeah. on and show it on all of our different sized bodies and shapes and in all these different colours. I think it's going to be exciting. Yeah. I can't wait for it. <laughs> um, is there anything else? I'm really, I think after uh, that, I think I will, will do overcheck mm. because I've been dying to have like a huge, super warm, double wrapped cowl. And I love a double knit cowl because, of course, there's no wrong side. Yeah. You know, so... And this yarn is just so stunning. This is uncommon thread, isn't uncommon it? Uncommen thread, yeah. I've never done double knitting. Have you? I'm looking no, at Sophie. I, I know that not. Juju has. <laughs> yeah, Juju's done everything first. No, it, I haven't done it. I mean, the advantage of double knitting, one of the advantages of double knitting over uh, Fair Isle or, you know, Stranded, is you don't have the strands of yarn in the back because they get knitted on the second layer of the fabric, mm. you know, into a second layer of fabric. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing is stretchy, mm. right? So the whole thing has the elasticity of uh, just regular stocking knit stitch. Ooh. And obviously you have both sides mm -hmm. are knitted, so there's no wrong side. So when you would make this cowl and then wear it as a Mobius or, you know, twist it mm. around yeah. your neck, there's no wrong side. Um, but it, it, it has a wonderful, and it's very hard to make sort of um, tension mistakes, or you won't have that problem that can arise with, say, intarsia or or stranded knitting where there's um, gaps in the float because they're all woven in. So it's it, it you won't have that. Mm. So in many ways, once you've got the kind of hang of it, um, it's very straightforward. And, um, you know, in a geometric pattern like this, it's very easy to know yeah. where, you, you know, you won't kind of have trouble knowing where mm. you're at. And just for people who, for some reason, haven't looked at this online, what we're describing is a big kind of cowl that's, yeah, two-sided and has... Um, like a very graphic check pattern, which is uh, inspired by a sort of traditional woven pattern. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. Mm. How about you, Soph? Uh, I'm also planning palmetto. Mm -hmm. As we said, I have the yarn which I got from uh, Pompfest. What, what, what color are yours? So mine in part of the year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got like the same colors that are used in the sample in the magazines, so the pink and the sort of dirty gold for the stripes. But the main colour I've got is like a warm strawberry raspberry mm. colour, which I'm very kind of like mm. a clotted kind of raspberry colour. Mm. So I'm excited about that. Mm -hmm. I like the warmth of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think for autumn that'll be nice. Mm -hmm. uh, I've also got my eye on an Ellie Belinde, but Me too. that's as much as I've got my eye on it. I was like, yes, I will let you. <laughs> so I also have my eye on this, and I am having yarn dilemmas. This being this being Ellie Belinde, oh, right, which yes. is uh, yeah. yeah, I think we. Talked about a little bit. It's kind of like a boxy jumper with the cable bit of really the main lovely uh, trunk part of your jumper, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it's got a nice little detail on the sleeves, like the same pattern echoed again. Um, but yeah, boxy, kind of easy to wear, and it's knit in a four ply. All right, so you have wool woes. Slightly, I have wool woes, and um, I'm going to ask what would you do about ah, what I was just thinking. Use. You know, I think that would be really nice in um, like kind of a. A natural coloured wool, like a cream naturally coloured. Yeah. Well, I was thinking maybe spindrift could yeah. work. Yeah, because... that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Something quite uh, that that references kind of Guernseys, you know. Yeah, because I think the problem. Oh, I've done a few swatches of various different yarns, and the that particular texture pattern can get lost yes. quite easily yeah. because it's not a strong cable. No, you know, it's just like little kind of one stitch cables, yeah. basically, like little travelling stitches. It kind of gets lost if the yarns that I've tried that have any kind of ply that's mm -hmm. sort of visible. It just mm -hmm. yeah. and they're gorgeous yarns, but it's just not the right combo. So then I was thinking, 
what is going to work, but because I still want that kind of woolly wool effect. Yes. Because I know that something like a kind of superwash merino would yeah, I do stitch do definition, that. but it wouldn't suit the feel no. of the jumper. No. We've got, for this, the orange version is the uh, Shillister. Oh, the and best We love Shillister. And it wouldn't have looked lovely in a fleece cloud Shillister, which is their natural coloured Shillister. Yeah. It just, yeah. that would kind of be so... Maybe we can scrounge up some from collecting. I've, I've got the double knit, but I don't have the full. Uh, right. Yes, and then the brown version is a little grey sheet. Gorgeous, yeah, yeah. really lovely. Um, but yeah, so maybe some kind of spindrift, or maybe a little grey sheep in just one of their paler colours. Mm. Yeah, to like really, spindrift would be nice. Uh, so it's like a pure Shetland yarn, so it's, it's woolly. Woolly, right? yeah. Yeah, but I would wear that probably with an undershirt sure. underneath of it most of the time. Yeah, I'm pretty immune. I'm quite lucky. I'm quite immune to the yeah. scratchy wool. Yeah, I don't mind either. I could wear it with just, you know, with just a tank top underneath it. The other... Wouldn't even bother with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want to make the cover star. Yeah, me too. Oh, oh yeah. It's great. Oh, oh yeah. we should definitely make a yes. reference. Oh, we both thought at the same time. Good. We should make a reference to this amazing, amazing widget that's on um, Alice's website, who designed the cardi. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the website, Liv? It is knit, burrow, burrow, knit burrow. So knit b u r o dot com, and then it's forward slash patterns forward slash diocese. But we'll put the link on the show notes for the peoples. Basically, you can select different colours for different. Colors. <laughs> you can change the colors and have a look and try them out on this little widget. Um, so yeah, because, there's a picture like a schematic of yeah. a jumper, and you say like, "Well, I like the black, but maybe our background color I'll have as a mustard." Or uh, Lydia's now playing on it, and we've got a uh, what's that like a black uh, band at the bottom? Or no, it's kind of a teal, teal. Oh, very okay, dark teal. teal. I'm going to change that top bit to a pink. Oh, no, that's red. No, not that. This is what you're actually thinking of, isn't it? Is a gold and burgundy. Well, I kind check? of I liked the idea of doing the so in the like we were saying, there's black and the kind of pale, unpredictable color, which isn't yeah. white, but kind of yeah. is. It's a big. It's a high contrast. I was thinking it would be cool to maybe do something with like. The two main colours being, I don't know, like burgundy and pink mm. or burgundy and yellow or like orange and pink. I don't know. I wanted it to be almost, you know, like when you look at something and it makes your eyes hurt. Ooh, that's pretty. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just watching <laughs> so Lydia watching play. play. And... So if you wonder what we're actually doing when we're recording yeah. this podcast, this is what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that does make my eyes hurt. That's good. I like that. But she's using, she's going for very different colours than it's shown in, and it's quite. This is a great widget. It looks like yeah. fruit salad now. So mm, yeah. looks like what salad? Fruit, fruit salad. salad. Like sweets. That's okay. Yeah. Fruit salad's nice. Okay. I like fruit salad. Anyway, so we highly recommend if you want, to, even if you don't. Yeah, just play on this. Play, just play with that. Yeah, just for really color all color work patterns should come they with this should, widget. They? I can do this. I have oh. the technical abilities. Cool man. <laughs> yeah. So I want. I want to make all the things. Can I make them all? Yes. Can I have a sabbatical to make the wall? Sure. <laughs> I would make more things too. I, pro- I probably will over time. Yeah. Make everything. I, you know. Because I'd also probably over make... time make everything. Yeah. Right? I want to make Nancy Marchant's scarf as well, Orbison, yeah. because I haven't done, first of all, because it's gorgeous. And again, you've got that kind of almost double sided. It's not the same as doing double knitting. That's right. The tuck yeah. stitches, you get um, a kind of interesting fabric that looks different on both sides and where neither side really looks like a right or wrong side. And it's not. Something I've done lots of, so I'd be really intrigued to have a go on it. The thing I like about this sample is that it's shorter than most scarves I'd probably knit, but it's so warm with like the shibui mm. mohair that's in that's it. That's right. It's also, she's combining different yarns together, you yes. know, holding more than one yarn yeah. at a time. So I think you could, I think the fabric would change radically depending on how oh, you sure. approach that, which is always interesting mm. and probably good for people like me who have lots of odd colours in their stashes who want to sort of, you know, figure out a way to play with them mm. and use them. That's a good point. It would be a really good stash. stash it would be a good, one. yeah. Because you could even do the, the yellowy bits at either end could be two separate colours, for instance. I was going to say that, yeah. And that would be quite interesting, I And think. if you had enough, because there's a sort of yellow, the mm. ye- it's all running through the whole lot, but in the middle to tie it together, you could have just one, like the blue would That's right, work yeah. into both ends, or just completely different ends. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah, I, I, I chose this because I just thought it was exciting to have all these different kinds of subtle textures playing off each other. And I do like a stash buster. Gotta boss that stash. <laughs> so copies of issue 22 are now around the world at stockists and in letterboxes. If you haven't got yours, you can get it on the online shop. Um, the digital version is also live, which is exciting. Hooray! So if you have technology, pop it on there. And uh, Also, in other Palm World news... 
we're doing a wool journey knit along um, you can find more information on that uh, about that on the Ravelry group which is called Pom Pom Two reviews and I am holding in my hands some mohair from Wool and Flower who were at Pomfest. They were. That's Same. where I bought this uh, yarn from. Exactly. So um, I'm knitting with them. <laughs> and they're also our sponsors for this episode. So thank you to Wool and Flower. So we touch a thing. The thing is plant dyed, yes? Yes. So Wool and Flower, <laughs> uh, if you've listened to our sponsor message, which of course you have, you'll listen to this podcast. Um, she specialises in plant dyed yarns and this is her plant dyed lace weight kid silk. So we've got a lovely mix of mohair silk. When I was saying to Juju earlier, you're like, what have we got? What, 70 30? 30? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're almost all 70 30. I know, but yeah. you just, you were just like, yeah, you didn't even have to look at it. You're like, oh, yeah. it's probably that, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, there and we she go. Was right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the colour we've got here is dyed with indigo and cochineal. It's beautiful colour. You get really like beautiful. an intense electric y blue, but it's also that warmth of the pinky it looks, red. It looks great with Lydia's t shirt, oh, which is sort of like a, an aubergine brown. Yeah, I'd say. that's true. See, that see what I'm saying color. about lilac and purples and browns? Love it. Yeah. Maybe we should try to get some kind of picture of this for the anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what what is what what is this? What is this? What are we making? <laughs> yeah, what do you make? So um, I'm doing sort of like a mohair loop mm. on the bias, which I've discovered is really easy to knit on the bias. Uh, so I'm just decreasing one and increasing uh, one yes. at the other end. Mm-hmm. I've got a little provisional cast on. Kind of just making it up off the fly. I just wanted a big mohair tube. Gotcha. So that's what I'm going to make. Yeah, you don't really need anything more complicated than that for a beautiful mohair yarn the, it, it, know, does, yeah, it does the true. talking and you'll get a lot of use out of something like yeah, that yeah because this kind of color will go with many things including yeah. what i'm wearing yeah, right yeah. now but well of course the, because you've knitted on quite large needles as well it's quite lacy so you can also sort of see things through yeah. it which is then you can play oh, it changes the color of course yeah. yeah uh so it went for 6.5 if anyone's asking um yeah I have to say about Jules' stall at Pompfest because that, you know, beautiful. Beautiful. She had great big uh, swatches of dyed uh, fabric hanging up in like mm. big kind of strips and then little bunches of flowers and plants and herbs and sort of things that she'd used to dye. Uh, visually, I found it very appealing. And then I bought yarn. That was the story. <laughs> and also, so she did um, a kind of knitter's guide to Edinburgh? Glasgow. Glasgow. Oh, I know, yeah. I was going to say Glasgow and then I was like, wait, second guess myself. No, she did a, a knitter's guide to Glasgow Forest because she lives and works there and she works in a garden. In the botanical, the botanical gardens. Botanical gardens. Yeah. yeah, and so she's she uh, grows a lot of the dyes that she uses herself. Mm-hmm. Someone who's very like involved in the process, I think. Mm. We also had a little mini interview with her. If you go back in the archives of when we were at Edinburgh the first time, oh, we have yeah. some mini interviews talking to her about her life and what she does. And yeah, she's one of those people as many of these knitters and dyers are, who's just switched on and engaged and has such a a passion and joy for what she she's making. And, you know, I'm very pleased that I have a little bit of her mohair. Yes, so, I'm pleased to be holding it. Yes. I wish you were making it for me. Oh, oh. It, it wasn't a big hint, was it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have some kind of exciting way for people to get their hands on this yarn, yes? We do, yes. I mean, after talking about all that and how happy we are, you could be happy too. Uh, we have a little competition on the blog, so head to pompommag.com and uh, you'll find the podcast section there on the blog. And we have two skeins from Jules of this colour that we've all been raving about. Uh, so you can, can be like Sophie. You can be cool as me. Just um, be like Sophie. Yeah, have a little uh, look on that. I'm just looking a little closer yeah. at this yarn and it gets better. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, there's little flecks of the cochineal in it. I do. Flex of the How many metres are there on that? There are 400. Twenty, yeah, fifty so grams. It was, a, it was a fifty gram ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can do a lot with that with mohair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll you'll get you uh, you might even have enough left over for Lydia to have one too. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Jules makes lovely pouches out of recycled um tweed. She is fabric. She is she is a tweed. Just as an aside, yeah. yeah. Um, so 
we like her very much. Yep. Uh, her details can be found at woolenflower.com. So that's uh, woolen, two O's, two L's. Flower. One L. One O. <laughs> <laughs> You've lost me on the spelling. <laughs> W-O-O-L-L-E-N-F-L-O-W-E-R.com. Okay. But we'll put a link on the website. Yeah, so that's so easier. much easier. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know you're our interviewee for this podcast as well? <laughs> I do now. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have already interviewed you, as previously uh, said. You are our first ever interviewee, and you are excellent, as you always are. Um, so we're not going to necessarily do so much of the, like, when did you start knitting? Who are you? chat What yeah. are you doing here? Why are you here? <laughs> um, we thought we could talk to you more about the Issue 22 mm-hmm. inspiration which we already talked about, there was a lot of pattern and a lot of kind of browns. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I wanted to talk about the um, like handmade wardrobe and the sewing oh, elements yeah. that you brought in. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and just kind of get a, do a deep dive into okay. Juju's okay. Okay. cool Where issue. were you when you were asked to be guessing? <laughs> what did you think? I was probably in bed, where I usually am. <laughs> cool man. I said, I thought, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, that's Good. It. And that's there is the interview. <laughs> there you go. Um, yes. So, okay. We've already talked quite a lot about um, some of the patterns. Um, but I remember... So there's also various articles, of course, mm-hmm. in that issue of the magazine, including a Merchant and Mills mm-hmm. one from when we went to visit them. We had them. fun, didn't we? We did have the fun. Um, I think we wish we'd had even longer there. Even though I think we got there for like... 12 o'clock or something, but... We were there for quite a while. Feels like we could have, like, stayed a few more days. Yeah. <laughs> in Rye, this is, because yeah. not only did we have a really fascinating conversation with Caroline, the um, owner of Merchant and Mills, mm. and... Who are nice... a haberdashery fabric pattern people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, we had a, a good peruse of her shop. We did. And a nice little... A quickie in an antique shop or two. We could have spent a lot more time. It was lovely. And I think... Um, well, Sophie hasn't heard the end of this, but basically, what? I've finally taken up sewing. Yeah, it's more or less because Juju inspired me to. That's great. That's like my mission. <laughs> my, my job here is done. And now you have it in magazine form to yeah. inspire other people's. Yeah. So if you don't know, I sewed most of the clothes. All the clothes in the issue, issue twenty-two that the knits are styled with are all hand-sewn and I sewed most of them myself. I borrowed the occasional um, sample from Merchant and Mills and one from Ray Stitch, I think. But mostly I got on my machine a week or two before the shoot and zoom, 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 zoom. And uh, because I really wanted to showcase the idea that not only are we knitters, but we are makers and we love the process of making. For me, that, that doesn't stop at knitting. And I think that's probably true of many of your mm-hmm. readers. You know, either they crochet or or they sew or they might quilt or embroider or draw or do something else. And do carpentry. Carpentry. Any number any kind of, of things. Yeah, dyeing. Yeah. Lots of people must be doing, mm-hmm. playing around with a bit of dyeing. And I think you know, there's only so much of your wardrobe that you can knit and mm-hmm. the rest of it you can sew pretty much. So uh, I personally have been sewing since I was uh, probably about 13. Um, I did study fashion design and, you know, so I have a background in pattern drafting and, and sewing for in- industry as well. But um, uh, I, I began making most of my own wardrobe when I was you know, probably about 14, 15 and okay, I do. I'm wearing store-bought jeans at the moment, but much of what I wear is handmade, and I really enjoy that. Did you make that top? No, I didn't make this top. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but I bought this top thinking, oh, I love the shape on me, mm. so I want to copy the shape because mm. I was looking for a top shape that I found flattering. And sometimes the easiest way to do that is to go to shops and just try on lots of clothes. So I do that, and then I don't buy things mostly but occasionally this is a good quality silk top and it was not bought from a cheapo high street shop Mm. so it's not fast fashion it's slightly slower fashion so i didn't feel too i didn't feel guilty not that i feel guilty but i do steer away from fast fashion for the most Mm. part um and prefer to as often as i can 
um, make or pay for somebody who's handmade something. And talking about the sewn things in this issue, I think a lot of people will feel like, great, I'll have a go at sewing. But if they haven't, where would you suggest as the starting points or what do they need to think about? And you yeah, know, equipment uh, or project wise? Yeah, um, there are, of course, tons of uh, cheap sewing machines around now and they're probably fine for just having getting underway with your first project mm. um, they might you know as long as you're not using a, a very very thick fabric um, or something maybe very very delicate sort of in between so all your kind of medium weight cottons mm. and things like that are going to be fine on them um, Lydia I think you're using a fairly inexpensive sewing machine right yeah I just upgraded slightly but it's oh. still on the you know, yeah. on the kind of yeah. mid-range yeah. sort of maximum. I got, I got by on, I've been, you know, I've had periods of my life where I've got by on a very poor quality machine before, and you can you can do it. Just change those needles yeah. after every item you sew. That's and, good tip. Yeah, yeah good advice. Uh, because it, that's true no matter what kind of quality your, your machine mm. you're sewing on. But I think people don't realize how frequently, you know, the needle can just get blunted or just get a little fault in it. And they don't cost much, so just get that needle out and get another one in there. Mm. Um, and it will improve your stitch quality. Get that needle out! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do that. And then, you know, if you have a local sewing shop that can teach you a basic class, I think that's a great idea. You did that, Lydia, didn't you? you yeah, did well, I, I already... So, like, my level before pre-Juju coming in and inspiring me was that I knew I had a sewing machine that I could thread and use to sew straight lines, but I'd never made anything massively successfully on it. So I did a class that was like make pajama bottoms and then I did another one to make a skirt and with those two the things I got from it were like how to read a commercial sewing pattern which mm -hmm. I had had no idea how to do. Like like knitting patterns it's a yeah. it's a unique language and it helps to be inducted by a knowledgeable person into how yeah. to decipher them. It's the sort of thing that you probably could figure out, but it's a bit less painful and yeah. a bit faster to just ask a question, yeah. <laughs> you know, just say, I, is this how I should do it? I imagine now that everything is on the internet, so it's easy. I mean, I didn't have that when I was starting out sewing, so you can just look everything yeah. up. I tend to not even read the patterns. I think that's probably common of people at my mm. experience level. You know, you, you, you use the pattern as a, you know, you cut it out the way you cut it out. You know, you might make alterations as you cut it out and then you just sew it from your own knowledge of sewing because there's mm. a logical construction method just as there is with knitting. But uh, I highly recommend that you choose... Um, a, a very, you know, a, a, initially a couple, one or two maybe very simple patterns and you just repeat them many, many times mm. in different fabrics, maybe with slightly different details and build your confidence slowly because um, I don't think you can you can make a very simple skirt or T-shirt in a lot of different fabrics and it looks very different yeah. so and it can be a backbone of your wardrobe so you know for me an a-line skirt is a is a flattering shape you've made a dirndl skirt with a slightly gathered waist mm -hmm. yeah and that's an item of clothing that you wear oh all the time exactly yeah <laughs> i think most of us have something like that be it yeah. a long-sleeved scoop neck t-shirt or whatever mm. um and then just get comfortable with that one thing and then you know build out from there mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be com complicated there's so many garments you can make that don't need a zipper for instance that are just slip on over your head a lot of us love to wear like a tunicky dress mm -hmm. and that can really you can find so many more interesting fabrics and do so many more interesting kind of details to it if you're making it yourself not to mention you can make it fit better because commercial clothing is made in uh two specific bodies and if you are not exactly one of those specific bodies well too bad <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the other things the magazine well with the handmade wardrobe and the knits we also have the fabrics of course and there's an article with Amelia Jensen and her printed fabrics. Could you maybe talk a bit more about like your interest in those and how that started? Yeah, well, I, I chose Amelia for a, a, a designing what I spe we specifically commissioned her to design a knitwear pattern, even though she hadn't didn't have any knit, knitted pattern designs up on Ravelry when we commissioned her. Um, I'd seen a lot of the things that she'd been knitting for herself. And the printed fabric she'd been printing for herself on mm. Instagram. I mentioned this in, in an article I wrote about her so, in the magazine. Yes, yeah, so this is Palmetto, the dress that's styled with Palmetto. That's her right. fabric. That's right? right, yeah. So it's a digitally printed silk fabric. And I asked her 
when we commissioned the sweater if she would make me a fabric to go with it that I could sew a garment from. And although she does a lot of screen printing, she offered me this fabric, which she had digitally printed from one of her designs, which is, you know, it could, it, 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 it's very simple shape. So it has uh, akin to a screen printed fabric, but it allows her to work with a base that isn't white. So it's kind of all blues and greens and mm. oranges. Um, 80s and was, Aztec is what I call it. Aztec? 80s Aztec. 80s Aztec. Yeah, that's, pro that's probably a pretty good uh, description. And a lovely, lovely silk fabric. Really easy to sew with. And I made a um, style arc, uh, was the sewing company who provided the pattern for that. And I did alter the pattern slightly because I was expecting to have a model that was larger than the one we actually ended up getting. And she was going to be having a larger boot, shall we say. <laughs> so this, so it is slightly oversized on this model, but it's a great dress. Like it's so, it's got great pockets in it, mm. which you, you can't necessarily see so well in the magazine because I very carefully matched the pattern across the pockets. Ooh. Yes, I, that that's something a, that I haven't tried yet and well, scares me. That magic stuff that I showed you, the fusing tape, oh, yeah. is your best friend for, for that. For matching things. Yeah. But it's when you're cutting it out that it confuses me. Oh, Oh, yeah, transparent tissue paper is what you use. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about we'll that. We'll talk time. about <laughs> it. Yeah. There's we'll magic. Talk. There's yeah. tricks. Just as there is with knitting, there's yeah. a whole series of tricks. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes you don't have to match the pattern across there. Yeah. I might not have, if, if the dress were for somebody like you, Lydia, that's mm. very petite, I might not have worried so much about it. But if I, as I was making this dress for a larger woman with, a, with large hips, mm. I didn't want there to be like a contrast in the hip area, right? Which is what would have happened if the if the pattern had been mismatched over the hips. Your eye would be drawn to the mismatch of the pattern there, and that maybe isn't what somebody who's larger might want, you know. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, if it were somewhere like if the pocket were somewhere, <laughs> no, that doesn't make sense. I was going to say if the pocket were the neckline, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but say there pocket. was a collar or yeah. something. I might allow the pattern to be mismatched there because that would be an area where you'd want to draw the eye to. Hmm. Mm. And then it's so in the article that you wrote, there's like cool pictures of how Amelia does her designs and kind of examples. And then a little bit about digitally printing fabrics, which I know is something you've been experimenting I with. I have, yeah. I've just been, uh, I, I will be making Amelia inspired mm. me. It's something I've been thinking about for, mm. for years. There's tons and tons of places that will digitally print your fabric from your designs now and they will print as little as a meter and the prices are really reasonable so I was like I this is what I've got to be doing because mm. the, my one hold back with sewing is that I can never find the kind of amazing prints that I mm. really really want so I have started playing around with designing and then I'm I've been sending off my designs to various companies and they will make up just like a little a you know paper a4 letter paper sure. sized sample for you to see how it comes out and I'm comparing different fabrics with, with different processes of designing and color palettes and so on and yeah if you follow my blog sometime this autumn I'm sure I'll be posting things that I, it'll be sometime there'll be pictures of what I've done it's very exciting it is exciting it's just yeah. like another yeah way in which we can kind of control our um our design and they have a lot of these companies do you can design a print and then they'll send you a made up like bathing suit or t-shirt or pair of leggings already made in it. Wow. I know. I mean, and so, and they will also, it's, it's fantastic. You know, you, they will also, so you do, do your design, you know, and then download it onto their website and they'll show it on a bathing suit on a model. And I mean, I don't have that model's body. So that's like, I don't know how they can ship that to me, but, <laughs> but it's like, it's amazing. You'd, you guys would love it. I know. We're kind of like stunned into silence about the possibilities now. We're both like thinking about it. So. Yeah. No, you guys were it's just, I'm sure it's how all these people, did you see that Trump bathing suit where somebody no. took Trump's face and they put it on their bathing suit and they allowed kind of the woman's body to distort the shape of his face. I'm sure that's how that was done. It was so, I kind oh, of wanted man. it. <laughs> um, but they, you know, leggings, Lydia. Like, le like know, wardrobe, wardrobe stable. Uh, Lydia just whisper leggings. Like, oh, leggings. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, the idea of being like, le just the kind of beginning of learning to sew. I was like, this is so exciting because all a lot of my wardrobe is like long skirts, yeah. basically. Long, brightly coloured skirts. And I'm kind of, I often buy things secondhand because I like that. And you, you can get a lot of big, long skirts that yeah, way yeah. as well. Um, 
but then, you know, haven't always been able to find the fabrics that I like. Yeah. So now I can choose them. And then next step, design the fabric or dye the fabric, which is yeah. another thing I was yeah, thinking Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. in your um, editor's letter, you said that you feel most like yourself when you're, you've made everything that you wear. Yeah. Which, and I was like, that is such a nice thing. Because you're just like a walking canvas, aren't yeah. you? For your ideas and your, your perceptions of colour. Like, obviously it takes time, mm. but there's nothing wrong with wearing the same thing all week. You know, I don't, I don't leave that. the house much. Well, and Anna Mott <laughs> says that saying, in her article. Yeah, yeah does she as well? Like more or less yeah. says like one of the things she she was saying she thinks one of the things about um, oh yes why people tend to wear neutrals is that because it's not as noticeable if you're wearing the same thing day after day. Whereas if you've got like a really bright pink skirt with like yellow polka dots and you know a bright blue jumper, then that's noticeable and people yeah. will know. Yeah, but people just need to be more chill about wearing the same yeah. thing. I wore this outfit yesterday. Well, I often think of you, Lydia, in striping, striped leggings. You have some great yeah. sort of striped <laughs> leggings and jeans and stuff yeah. like that. So I could see you kind of printing some leggings that had maybe some interesting kind of stripe happening and mm. things like that. Many exciting Lydia possibilities. I can, so gi- I can give you, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send you a picture of one of the bathing suits that I've designed for the nice. for the website. Yeah. Would you like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you can see sort of like, you know, what it would look like. <laughs> it's, it is my body in the picture, by the way. <laughs> for the listener at home I'm going to make winked. some custom bathing suits now that's oh, it's fantastic yeah. you could just wear bathing suits yeah why not why not wear big poofy skirts yeah, yeah. but you were saying leggings. Sophie mm. that you maybe wanted to do a bit more sewing as well just because I won't stop talking about it you're just <laughs> placating me yes Lydia no, I no, too I mean, like sewing I think it's funny because when you were like I discovered sewing and I kind of feel like cool because I like it's a thing that's been in the background for me which has kind of been replaced by knitting which is not a bad thing, so I'm like, yeah, do all the knitting now. I think it's the portability of knitting that's yeah. kind of yeah. taken over for me. I don't even like sew when it's like a special occasion where yeah. I'm like, right, I'd like a dress for this occasion. Yeah. And like the last big project I did was maybe like when I'd finished uni because yeah. I, had, I had the time, you know. I think a lot of people complain about sewing, how much sort of setup and knockdown mm. it takes to mm. that if you're cutting something out, you need a big table and... That is all true, whereas knitting is portable, yep. works well in small spaces, yep. uh, you can talk and socialise as you do it. It's a different sort of... It's a very different yeah. activity. But I've realised, so I live in an absolutely tiny flat, like, and it's shared, so it's not, you know, the, the small amount of space that I have in the living room isn't just my space even, and my housemates have been very, very nice about me taking over the living room. And I've just had to get into a routine mm-hmm. of... It's quite a small dinner table. You know, I'm just using the space that I've got. And it isn't perfect. No. You know, I have to keep every time I finish sewing, I have to put everything away, put the ironing board away, put the iron, mm. you know. But, I mean, it really, I can see that it's annoying. But it really takes five minutes at the beginning yeah, and end. Yeah, exactly. And I know that it is a bit like, oh, you know, get all the yeah. stuff back out. Yeah. But um, I think if that feels like an obstacle, it's worth just kind of plowing through it because... You're yeah. not you're not going to sit down for sort of five minutes of sewing. You are you know you're going to have like an hour to two hour long session. Sure. And actually, that's enough probably because mm. you don't want to get neck and back ache and stuff mm. like that. So I think yeah, you know, it's something that you, you you just sort of set aside some time and you do it, and then you have your also have your knitting. Of course. And that's your portable project. And there we go. Let's go make something, shall we? <laughs> Juju do that's what we ask and uh what Juju would do would come and uh host a podcast with us so it seems rude not to ask you <laughs> what would Juju do with our crafting queries okay I think Lydia had one so since this is a more sewing themed uh episode I have a what would Juju do question about top stitching um which I recently learned is you see it on jeans a lot that's probably the place people are most familiar with it like a kind of contrast thread maybe around the pockets and so on so I'm making a skirt called the Brumby Skirt by Megan Nielsen, which I like very much, and it involves top stitching. And I managed to successfully do some of the top stitching, uh, you know, and then I re-threaded the machine with the regular thread, did a bunch of other stuff, coming back to the top stitching, and the tension is out of whack, man. And I don't know what's gone wrong. Mm. What would you do? <laughs> I, I've had trouble with some top stitching threads as well before. Um, 
you have kept that now. I know that when we were talking earlier mm. about sewing, you um, you hadn't really got a lot of off scraps next to mm. your sewing machine. So you need to always have lots of, when you cut out your garment, yeah. you need to save all the off scraps bits yeah. so that you can seam them and then double seam them and then top stitch them because yeah. the different layers of thickness of fabric are going to create different surfaces that need different kinds of tensioning and so on. Yes. If, you're, if you had tension that before that was working and you don't now, then you need to check your needle is your first uh, yes. first thing. Mm. You may need to replace the replace needle. needle. Um, and then it, you want to see whether it's the bottom thread or the top thread that need to be changed mm -hmm. um, by which one's creating the loose thread. Mm -hmm. uh, if you need to, you know how to adjust the tension of your needle yes, with your dial. Easy. Your bobbin should sit inside its bobbin holder. Do you mm. have a bobbin holder? Is it that kind of a machine where no. it comes in a little casing? No. Oh. Um, well, you just pop it on the top or something. Yeah, oh. the bobbin. Oh, that's oh, okay. yeah, that's different then. I can't explain. Oh that. no! Yeah, right. look at that. It's yeah. when you put it in the casing and then you feed it through, and it should, if you hold the thread from the bobbin, it should sit in the casing. That's right. And you should be able to go boop boop, uh, and it should just drop down yeah. slowly. Um, but it's not likely. I would say the needle. Just check the needle. Check the needle first. Okay. I'll do that. And uh, also actually thinking about it is it's the top stitching around the zip. So I guess there's an extra layer of fabric That's there. what it is. And your cheaper mm. machine mm. as well will have more difficulty with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, that's where you'll start to see the yeah. difference in quality of a machine. And if you want to come around to my house and top <laughs> stitch that, you can. Maybe I will. <laughs> um, do you have any what would you do questions? I have a knitting question. Very good. So I was knitting a cardigan and... I've knitted the front and the back, and although I checked my measurements, it's kind of stretched out, I think because it's a seamed piece. This is Tania, which is from issue 20, mm -hmm. which I finished. And I think I know the answer, but I'm just going to go through the process to see what would Juju do. Okay. So there's front and back knitted, and I'm going to seam it all together. And it seems that it could be a little bit too long in the length. Ah. But because I've knitted it bottom up, bottom up I don't uh -huh. feel there's like an elegant way to then alter that length, I'd have to sort of undo yeah. it and undoing from the cast on, I feel that's a bit kind of clunky. And then I feel like maybe I need to cut it if I'm going to adjust it. Mm -hmm. um, but then I also feel I need to make the, sew the entire thing, block it, and then let it just sort of be a cardigan to really know if it's too what long. I'm going to do. Is, it, is there ribbing at the bottom? Yes. So you could, in theory, cut the ribbing off mm -hmm. and remove a few, or you know, cut above the ribbing right. to the length you want, and then pick up and knit down. Yeah, yeah, that that would be what you want to do. You you um, uh, the 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 uh, stitches won't match exactly right, you're when you're going. Effect, yeah, exactly you? yeah. when you're going in the opposite direction. So you'll need to start the new knitting from the top of where the ribbing goes down, mm -hmm. and the only way to do that is to cut it off and and do that way. Yeah, I would be tempted to sew it together apart from the ribbing. Right. So just leave the ribbing on. Little sexy slits at the side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and try it on and block it and try it on and then see what you think, but not sew up the ribbing because, you know, then yeah. you can eat quickly and easily remove what you need to and knit to the length you want. Because then I was thinking there's no reason I couldn't just do the ribbing sort of, not in the round, um, yeah. but all in one yeah, exactly. from the, the fronts and the That's back. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be the logical way to do it. Could you chop off the ribbing and then graft it further up? I mean, that's uh, a bit more. Yeah. Of a I was thinking of that, but I, I don't know. It feels like that's more faff than. And just I think there might be more seamless. Yeah, sorry. It would be. It would be. Le I mean, I guess. But who's going to know? I don't think it would be more seamless because okay. I think the grafting is more likely to be an obvious uh, then, change. Yeah. Because you're already probably changing needle sizes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So it's better to just, it's easy to, to yeah, pick yeah. up and knit in the opposite direction mm. and the ribbing isn't going to, that's going to be fine. And okay. you might even have changed stitch count slightly at the ribbing. Uh, Possibly. No, no but, okay. But, but it won't matter. It's if, a valid point. Yeah. yeah. So that's mm. the logical place to have a change. Okay. So that's what Judy would do. Yeah. And that's like, now what Sophie will do. Live and interactive. <laughs> is that what you were thinking you'd do? Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's exactly the plan. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, we now have more information. So now we will go into the final section of the podcast where we like to list things. In threes, <laughs> hierarchically, for your amusement. Number one um, is the best thing. Yes. Number one is the best. Okay. Even though three one. is one of my favorite <gasps> numbers. Okay. Anyway, um, yes. So for this episode, 
with our craft guru here with us. We're going for a more uh, technical bent and we've decided to do top three crafting tools. And that can be interpreted in many ways. Doesn't have to be knitting, could be knitting. Doesn't have to be of the textile craft variety, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite broad, but I think it could be interesting. Mm-hmm. So do we want Juju to go I first? I think we start with Juju, definitely. Okay. Oh, so, so it's quite tricky. Isn't it's it? tricky because you're saying it can be like for any of the yeah, things, well, and I, I mean, do maybe many we, different that's things. That's true. I mean, maybe we should make it more specific. I don't know. Textile things? Okay, textile things, yeah. textile things. Because other, otherwise I'd have otherwise. to say things like sketchbooks and pens, sure. and, you know what I mean? Okay, and then we're getting into just general. Okay, yeah. yeah. Textile crafts. Okay. Top three tools. Okay. Top three tools. Can I preface this by saying I think it's good to have as few tools as possible? Because especially with something as portable as knitting, the more tools you're reliant on, the more you're stuck with carrying junk around you don't need. So if I've got like a hairpin that can do as a cable needle, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. try to make double use of as many things as possible. I even prefer yarn that you can break rather than cut, you know, mm. for that reason. So I just want to start with that. Okay, Very good. Right. Yeah, good to know. Yeah. Well, I mentioned this before and it's knitting relevant. I mentioned this in a previous podcast. Mm. Scooby-Doo's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those little lace, plastic lace things that are hollow on the inside, little tiny tubes that kids use to um, weave lanyards out of and are sold in packs of 50 and 100. I put them on my needle tips and pull them through my knitting for live stitches that I want to put onto a stitch holder and they're easy then to slip on and off again. Um, They're the best, right guys? Yeah, you've revolutionized my way I put uh, stitches on hold. I need more Scooby-Doo's, actually. I, I have two that you gave me that oh, I hold on to preciously. Okay, okay. I will buy you because my pound shop sells them. Ah. So my pound shop sells them, you know, by, I think they're 50 or 100 in a pack. So it's brilliant, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I recommend buying 50 or 100 because, again, I do stuff them. Like, literally, I put them under the sofas and the cushions in my sofa because, you know, nobody knows. Yeah. And uh, then and I, I always have, have one, right? Yeah. And they aren't going to, like, hurt mm-hmm. you like a pin. Uh, and then I think I was showing Lydia in sewing. I'm really keen on the uh, fusing tape. So this is number two, yeah. right? Number two, number two, yeah. Which is... Yours uh, is called Steamer Seam. Steamer Seam, yeah. <laughs> and it comes in different widths and so on. Both sides are fusible. And so on. And so is that another... No, I mean... Oh, I mean, it's a, a very pun. She's making a sentient punning machine, <laughs> Sophie Scott. Yeah. I've been kind of quiet for a bit. So I think, I I think there may well be a brand called So On, too. Right, so I'm that's sure, why I yeah. thought you were like, you know, you were plugging another sponsor. Continue, um, please. Yes. So I use it for... Uh, so often the, you can even buy it in the corner shop for like people who can't sew to just hem a, oh, hem their jeans. Basic needs, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know where they sell all yeah, those, yeah. those Safety little... Safety pins yeah, and like little yeah. mini sewing sets. And it's great stuff. And, and even that cheap stuff is fine, you know, that you can just use it to fuse your fuse your hems and things like that. But I, I, I always use it, and I was showing Lydia this, mm-hmm. to fuse hems before I sew them. So that I get a nice, perfect um, hem without the distortion of of pins. And it's really brilliant if you're sewing with uh, knit fabric, jersey fabrics, because jersey fabric can can buckle. There's other ways of dealing with that, with uh, walking foots and so on. But brilliant for making your hems. And, you know, you don't even have to sew the hem. You can just leave it like that. Great stuff. So, and um, that would be what I would recommend as well for putting on pockets, all kinds of things in sewing. Mm. So it's a top tip thing mm. then I, you know maybe all these things are equal maybe i don't really have a top three <gasps> sorry <Ben. laughs> sorry again because they're different things right yeah. mm-hmm. um that i really like for sewing again i have one of those um huge self-sealing mats and a rotary cutting tool mm-hmm. uh, my huge mat is six foot long so it's the whole size of my cutting table so it just means I can lay my fabric on my cutting table and I can lay the lay down piece. with it. Yeah, I can lay down Tie on it. Uh, I can lay the pattern pieces on it and I use a rotary cutter. I, I fill up little old, um, I save like little tins of um, that mints and things like that came mm-hmm. in and I put all my old Canadian pennies because you can't you spend a Canadian penny anymore. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but I suppose you could do that with like francs and mm, any right. you know any any out of circulation currency. Yes. 
fill your tins with those so that you make weights. And then instead of using pins, I weight my pattern and fabric to the table and then just use my rotary cutter to I cut around I've never got away things. with rotary cutters. I find them too unwieldy. I think I need to just probably practice a bit You more. can also get like smaller diameter ones. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so you know, the typical one is five centimeters right. in diameter. Um, but if you're kind of going around lots of small corners, yeah. you can get much smaller ones. Because I've used my mom's quilting one, which is just like a big old pizza cutter yeah. to do straight lines. She might even have a bit. She might even <laughs> right. have a bigger one because if you're a quilter, you, they come much much bigger. Right. So for, for for clothing sewing, I I typically have the five centimeter one, and then probably it's like a two centimeter oh. one, and I just go between them depending on what I'm cutting. Like That's a, revolutionary for me. That's good. Mm, mm. I think once you kind of get used to them and kind of get round, and even if you can't afford the big six foot ceiling mm. mat you you can get these other ones you know again they sell them at my local pound shop that are right. i don't know a meter or something mm. like that and you can put them behind a piece of furniture you could just stand them up behind like a mm. bureau or something so yeah. they don't know that you're not noticeable and you can lay that on top of your kitchen table yeah i suppose for a bureau as well <laughs> but you have a chest of drawers right right yeah yeah so what's behind your chest of drawers? Yes, yeah, so secrets. Think... Secrets. Okay, next your secrets I'm and your biscuits. Mats yeah, 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 your yeah. camel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your, where your blocking mats are. Same yeah. place. That's where they can live. I was just being facetious. I know. <laughs> I know. So those are mine. Very good. It's all good, Sophie. Uh, number three is a newly acquired tool that I have, which is my pom vest, uh, pom pom gauge ruler, uh, which is like a set square thing with mm -hmm. a hole in the middle. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not a big fan of doing gauge swatches, <gasps> but. This, because I have this, I know you're saying about not having too many things, mm. but having this little piece of wood mm. with a little pomfest, uh, you know, pomfest uh, sprinkles that we did, yeah. which are all the Stitch Fetty, which is all on the logos and stuff. Happy reminders. Yeah. It kind of, I have this thing that's more of an impetus to make it an event, to make a swatch and to use this gauge mm. ruler thing. And made by some nice people. Trinkles made for us in the USA. Katrinkles? Katrinkles. It's a funny word. That's yeah, great. I love that word. <laughs> so I think that's, it's like what the kind of pee that Katrina does. <laughs> I do a soap sprinkle. <laughs> yeah. I do shuju inkles. <laughs> Juju whiz. Juju whiz. Do yeah. I? Oh. <laughs> anyway, I don't. Oh boy. So now I like measuring gauge. The end. Uh, number two, um, I probably go. I probably have to go with the Scooby as well. Like <gasps> I say, Scooby. I have these two that you've given me. One of them is cut in half, which oh. is like preciously used for like thumbs on mittens and things yeah. like that. And then I have a big one, which is for oh, like okay. jumpers. I know yeah. what I'm getting you for Christmas. Oh boy, I can't wait! It's my birthday <laughs> next month. Come on. Yeah, yeah before your birthday. Don't worry. Oh yes. Okay, so yeah, we've heard all about those. We love them. Plastic tubes for the win. Uh, number one. I'd have to say a pair of sharp scissors. Mm. I find no greater joy than having a good, accurate pair of scissors. Mm. And I was recently sorting out my all my craft stuff. I have seven pairs of scissors and I would lay them all out. I was like, no, I need each one of these for a different kind of job. And I love them all equally. Yeah. And then they went back in the drawer. So yeah. I have some very, very tiny ones, which are like a centimeter high yeah. blade. Got some folding ones. Got two very sharp ones, which are both aesthetic in different ways, so I like them differently. Mm. One of them looks like a cockerel, the other one is like a cockerel. Yeah, it's kind of like a yeah. weird yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like big ones, ones for paper, ones for... Mm. Yeah, you can never fabric. have enough scissors. Yeah. So what I said earlier about yeah. having, not, not having anything, yeah. that just includes the all the things that <laughs> yeah. I have. So there we go. That's good. Yeah. Very good. I like it. Okay, I'm going to go with a number three. An iron that has a really good steam function. Yeah. Because, oh, maybe that should be number one. Two legs, number three. Because <laughs> it's not really like, it's a tool, but it's different to the kind of like itty bitty travelly tools. Yeah, but it's I have a tool. Yeah. found that in all the textile based crafts yeah. I've done, steam makes so much difference. Yeah. And it's kind of impossible to do any of the textile crafty things without at least some kind of. Even if you're not like mega blocking things, steaming them, and it, while you're this is coming yeah. from a girl who, when I first got I to know you, you were anti-ironing, or, or I just couldn't just do not, it. Yeah, which I was like, "What do you mean you can't do it?" <laughs> well, I've never really done it because I never ironed any of my clothes. Because I was like, "Why would you're you a changed iron woman? Clothes? You used to hate purple and not iron." Hey man, I'm a grown-up now. Yeah, you are. That's why she, she turned thirty. <laughs> but also, I think before I learned to, I, I always got it, got the steam thing for knits actually ironing until 
I recently learned to sew. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, you need to, I, you need you have to. for sewing. Yeah. And so now I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, really into irons at the moment. Really into my mm. steam iron. Also yeah. makes a really satisfying noise. Oh yeah, that's a great noise. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that. And then next I have, the next two are quite similar. Two, number two, I have darning needle slash blunt yeah. needle yeah. for all that's the things. Good. good one. Well, but you need so a sharp one too. I know, but... I just, I guess maybe sharp ones I have taken for granted. <laughs> Whereas darning needles, I'm no, always I mean, you need a sharp darning needle too. Oh yes, because when you're sewing in thre slippery threads, it's useful to use the sharp one to pierce the thread yeah. as you go back in on itself. Whereas then you need the blunt one if you're doing Kitchener stitch or something. Exactly. You need both. So so darning needles mm -hmm. <laughs> of the sharp and unsharp variety. Because they're just useful for everything, not only for finishing, you know, weaving ends and things, but for actually fixing stuff. They're great. And I can never have too many of them because I'm constantly losing them. Mm -hmm. They're like pens and socks. They mm. just disappear. Mm -hmm. and lastly, crochet hook. Mm -hmm. For similar kinds of reasons for picking up stitches. Because I make a lot of mistakes while I'm making things. Because, uh, for example, I could be watching TV. Mm -hmm. Not paying full attention. Mm -hmm. um, so I find crochet hooks to be the optimum way to pick up stitches in that way um, and all sorts of funny like knitting things that have gone wrong I think crochet hooks just I don't know what else do I even do with them I don't know I just, sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in my backpack I have a crochet hook and a darning needle mm -hmm. and that's my like to go set because I think I don't need a cable needle stitch markers I can improvise on but if yeah. I need to like fix something while I'm out because I've made a mistake one of those two things will do it for me. I'm not a fan of buying stitch markers. I like the rubber ones. I find oh, yeah. them very satisfying to work yeah. with, but I mostly these days use little bits of yarn. Me too, yarn. I like the locking ones. You <laughs> <laughs> looked at me suddenly then. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I like a locking one. stitch marker for crochet, actually. For mm. Otherwise, the cro if you're traveling around while you're crocheting, Sometimes oh, the yeah. crochet needle falls out of the yeah, stitch. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so good point. that's a good locking stitch mark. Good point. Well made. I feel like we've covered a lot of tips in this. Yeah. yeah. Very good. It's been interesting. Actually, the heavy. one thing that I did want to put above number one okay. is podcasts. Oh, hooray! Hooray! Don't you think? It's like meta. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. But <laughs> crafting with podcasts is wonderful. There we go. Well, we hope you've been crafting with podcasts. Because if you haven't... <laughs> So thank you to Juju for being guest editor and guest host for this episode. Delightful. <laughs> uh, we'll have some fun pictures on the blog, so you can check that out. Check out the Wool and Flower competition as well. Yeah, we'll have all sorts of links to the fun widget and to the patterns we talked about, sewing things we talked about, and, and, a few, to Juju. and to Juju herself, and to a few sewing, sort of the sewing websites that are a bit like Ravelry that uh, we were going to sort of direct people towards. Mm -hmm. And um, the amazing bathing suit. Oh boy, can't wait for that. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see you again next month. Bye! Bye! Bye. Comcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott, lots of help from Eli Block, who created the original music for the show. Thanks as always to Megan Fernandez, co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly. And thanks also to the lovely Amy and Gail. Thanks, of course, to Juju Vale for being our guest host. Yay! That's you. So thanks to Juju and our sponsors, Wool and Flower. And of course, a big thank you to all you Pom Pom buyers, subscribers and listeners. You can buy your copy of the magazine and subscribe too at our online shop, which is pompommag.com forward slash shop. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and why not leave a review? Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pom Pom Ravelry Forum. 